How's everybody tonight? Good. Me too. Thanks for asking. Sorry. Oh, my golly. Wow. Let's have a hand again for the girls. All right. Wow. Incredible. You know what? In Psalm 118, 24, it says, This is a day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. <clears throat> I want to tell you what, I am rejoicing and I am glad. Because you know what, I finally figured it out. I figured it out that every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. And I look at Thursday night and Sunday morning as wrapping on that present. Because this is such a great group. Sunday morning is so great. We don't realize what we have in our church until you're gone. I've been gone a couple of weeks, and I tell you what, I missed it. I missed you guys. I missed Sunday morning. Just missed the family getting together. Because friends are the family you choose. And uh, I just want to thank all you guys for making this so special, this group of guys. And uh, I just am humbled that I had the opportunity to just share some thoughts that I've learned over the last 70 years. Now, before we get started, I want to share something with you. If you came tonight expecting a deep theological message, I hope you enjoyed the ribs. If you came tonight expecting a deep theological message, I want to refer you to Sunday morning, 9.15, 10.45, in the sanctuary or in the FLC with Bruce or Butch or the rest of the staff. Unfortunately, you guys got me tonight, a 70-year-old man sharing from his clogged heart. So, hey, with that all being said, I have, yeah, I've lowered the, I wanted to lower the standard because, see, you go in, did you ever go to a movie? You go to a movie and you, you, it's everybody says, you got to see the show, you got to see the show. And you go and you sit there and, and the show starts and you're going, and you keep thinking it's going to catch. It's, it, it's going to, it's going to, and it never does. So see, I didn't want you guys in here going, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I wanted to lower the bar, you expect nothing. <laughs> Blessed is he who expects nothing. He won't be disappointed. So, all right? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Anyways, listen, what I want to do is uh, we're going to talk about a couple of principles tonight that are truly life-changing. I mean, that is really incredible stuff. So I do. Even though you expect nothing, I hope that you get something out of this. Would you pray with me? <sighs> Father God, you are so gracious, so good so giving, so loving. Father, that you know our hearts and you love us anyway. What an amazing God you are. Father, we just thank you for this time here together tonight. We pray that you be in the midst. We invite you, Father, to come in to just indwell us with your spirit. Guide us. Lord, open our ears and open our eyes and open our heart. Do a work to us that you may work through us. And Father, I just pray tonight for our country. I pray that, that you would restore common sense, 
that, Father, that you would do a work to all the politicians, both sides of the aisle, that they would come together. And, and Father, your word tells us that if my people who are called by, by, by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face, turn from their sin, that, Father, you would hear our prayers from heaven and heal our land. Father, we pray that you heal our broken land. Father, be with me tonight as I deliver your word. Just pray that it did do it with clarity. And, uh, Father, again, to impact lives. We thank you, and, Lord, we love you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, you know, tonight, let me show you something. Mm. How many of you remember this? Huh? Remember that? How many remember? All right. Well, then I'm going to have to explain some of it because there's not nearly enough. Now, look at this. I am excited about this. I really am. This is exciting stuff. Somehow I'm not feeling the excitement from the group, okay? I'm just, just not really feeling it. Because this is beautiful. This is really beautiful stuff when it's applied. Because, see, the beauty is in the application. The beauty isn't in this can. The beauty is in the application. Now, I want to tell you, it's the same with this, the Word of God. The beauty is in the application. You can know the Word of God. But if you don't apply it, what good is it? See, knowledge alone makes you haughty, makes you arrogant, makes you condescending. Application makes you holy. And I love what he says in James. This says, do not merely listen to the word, but do, do not, so that you deceive yourself, do what it says. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is doing what it says. And uh, I want to share with you a principle that you can actually apply right now tonight to your life. And it's going to make you better. It's going to impact not only you, but everybody around you. And wouldn't that be great if we could do that? And I know this principle works. About six years ago, I came across this idea. And I met with a friend of mine who was having troubles at home with his marriage. And we met over at my office, which is the Arlington Road Panera. And we <laughs> for those of you that go to that, you know it is. You know I'm online. But anyways, we sat and we talked. And I shared this principle. And I was really excited about it. And he got it. Man, he took it and he was so excited. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that home. And he did. And he started applying what we talked about to his marriage, and things changed. Then he shared with his wife this principle, and she started doing it. Two weeks later, guys, two weeks later, she called me and thanked me for helping save their marriage. So I know that this works. What we're going to do is we're going to spend some time tonight talking about conversations. You know, we've all had good conversations. 
We've all had bad conversations. Personally, I've had some embarrassing conversations that I wish I'd never had. But conversations are a way of life. That's how we do life. And so what, you know, have you ever left a conversation and you felt inspired? You felt lifted up? You felt charged up? Wow, and you leave and you're going, man, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol after meeting with them or, or doing that, you know? That you just, it just fires you up. What we need to look at is every conversation we have as an interaction of opportunity. That's what we have, guys, is an interaction of opportunity with everybody we meet. We need to interject encouragement into their life. And that's what we're going to talk about. Our prayer for life should be this. It should be, Lord, make my life a window for your light to shine through and a mirror to reflect your love to all men I meet. You need to pray that every day so that everybody you come in contact with, that, that you just reflect love. Live your life so that when people meet you, they want to know Jesus. That's what we're called to do. You never really know what kind of impact you're going to have on people. You never know what kind of day they're having. Just how much they need just that friendly smile, that hello. How are you doing? To take time with them and, and, and share with them. And let them share with you what's burdening their lives. You never know what type of impact you have because you don't really know what's going on in people's lives. So, in, so encourage someone and impact their life. That's what we want to talk about tonight. About six, six years ago is when I came across this. This is a study done by the Gottman Institute. The Gottman Institute, they study relationships. They're, they're into counseling and things like that, and they study relationships and how they, how they can make them better, how they can improve relationships. And what they did, they did a survey, and they found that in our daily conversations, just the average conversation, they found an astounding number. And that number is six to one. Six to one that says that criticism, six to one, there's six times more criticism than there is encouragement. Now, I want to tell you, the first night when Craig was talking and he spoke and he said six to one, Remember, I almost passed out. I said, he read my notes. <laughs> but anyway, but I, what Craig said was that it takes six forms of encouragement to counteract one discouraging word, one criticism. And here we are living in a society where it's six to one, it's upside down. It is so easy to be critical of everything. So what we need to do is right this ship. Guys, you know, six to one, that's a game changer. Six to one explains why the workplace is so toxic and dysfunctional. Six to one explains why there's conflict and stress in the workplace. Because it's upside down. Here's a factoid for you, and this is from a guy who knows. There are 
11% more heart attacks on Monday morning than any other day of the week. That's the American Heart Association, guys. Why do you think that is? Six to one. Now, that's true, isn't it, Bill? Isn't it, for a lot of people, about 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon, I was talking to somebody else, somebody in here the other day about this, and isn't it about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when I used to be in industry? About 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon, I'd start thinking, oh, my golly. Yeah, here it comes. We've got to got to do this, this, and this. And you're focused. All of a sudden, you get this blank stare, and you're thinking about what's coming down tomorrow morning. And I tell you what, Monday morning, you have an 11% greater chance of having a heart attack because it's 6 to 1. 6 to 1 also explains why there are so many marriages teetering on divorce. When the conversation in the atmosphere inside a marriage is 6 to 1, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because have you ever heard the words? Have you ever spoke the words? Sometimes it seems like I just can't do anything right. You ever heard that? Have you ever said that? That, my friends, is six to one. Six to one is why there's no respect for the kids. There's no respect for the parents. Six to one is, is why homes in general are dysfunctional. Because nobody encourages one another. Six to one, and this is a fact. Six to one is why when some of you guys go to work in the morning, your wife and your kids are glad you're leaving. And six to one is why when you come home at night, they're sad to see you come home. I know that's true. I grew up in that. I grew up in a six to one home. Guys, six to one is why the, why the conversation, six to one is why people are walking around with their finger on the trigger ready to go off on anybody. I mean, for whatever reason, they are ready to lock and load on you because it's six to one. Now, how do we change that? How do we change that dynamic? You know, it, it, uh, what six to one says is that for every time you say, honey, that was a fantastic meal. Son, I am so proud of you. What you're doing in school. Man, you just, you just made my day. You, you know, I, I really appreciate working with you. You know, you may come to work a joy. Thanks for doing such a great job on that project. You made my job a lot easier. For every time you hear something like that, there's six times that you hear, is that all? When are you going to get here? Can't you ever be on time? I'm tired of waiting. Come on, let's go. That is what they hear six times more than encouragement. That's the problem. Six to one is a game changer. You know, boy, I better find out where I'm at here. Critics, we're, we're good. Now, now, how are we going to change that? How are we going to change that six to one and turn it the other way? Now, none of you are going to argue in here tonight that, that encouragement is critical. I mean, encouragement is nice. You all, you, you all agree, right? Encouragement is good. We all agree that you should encourage, right? You all agree that you like to be encouraged, right? 
But here's the problem. Encouragement is not urgent. It's not critical. And it's not a priority. So we just forget about doing it. In order to be an encourager, you have to think about it. You got to look for it. You got to do it. You have to actually be on the front of your mind, your consciousness, so that you are thinking about doing it. Because I tell you what, guys, in order to be an encourager, sometimes you have to really look deep to find something to encourage. You do. I lost where I was going because I had a, a, a thing for this. But anyways, there we go, six to one. So what we're going to do tonight is look at a proverb. And like I said, when I told you that this isn't going to be a deep theological conversation, we are going to look at a proverb, and because I'm a lightweight when it comes to theology, we're only going to look at a half a proverb. So if you would join me in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Now Solomon wrote Proverbs. It's an amazing book. There's 31 of them. So if you read one proverb a day, it would get you through most months. Proverbs 11.25. Proverbs 11.25. And what in Solomon, now when you think about what Solomon did, what he wrote, Solomon was the wisest and the richest man ever. And think about it. He did it without Google and without Alexa. Yeah. Can you imagine being a wise man without going, Alexa, what is, you know, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? Matter of fact, I don't know whether I should worry, but I went to the doctor last week, and we're in the examination room, and the doctor said, Alexa, if he has a fever and he's coughing, what is it? <laughs> I don't know, maybe I should change doctors. But anyways, Proverbs is an incredible book that you need to spend some time in. And what he says in here in Proverbs 25.11 is, he who refreshes others is himself refreshed. You can also use the word replenish or encourage. He who re encourages, replenishes, or refreshes others is himself encouraged, refreshed. It, there's something in it for you. See, not only does it affect people around you, there's something in it. There's a prize inside. This kind of reminds me of Cracker Jacks. Remember Cracker Jacks about the prize inside? All the young guys in here are going, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The prize inside. Who remembers the prize inside Cracker Jacks? See those raised hands? They're all above 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Used to get that and, yeah, the whole thing. But anyways, that's what it says. It says a prize inside. Now, I want to tell you because we're sharing, and I'm sharing from the heart, I feel that I could be very upfront with you and share some of goals I have in my life. Now, I'm not really good at keeping goals. I set them and sometimes they fall by the wayside. Matter of fact, in 2019, January 1st, 2019, I set a goal of losing 20 pounds. 20 pounds in 2019. And I want to tell you guys, 
as of January 1st, 2020, I'm only 25 pounds away from that. <laughs> I'm telling you. My wife really set that goal. It wasn't me. But here is a goal that I am dead serious about. I'm as serious about this as I am about a heart attack. Before I die, I inspire, I aspire to inspire before I expire. So I really need to hurry. But I tell you what, guys, isn't this a great goal to have? Aspire to inspire before you expire. Now, you're never going to get there, okay? You're not going to get there in this life. I'm kind of reminded of what Paul says in the third chapter of Philippians. Twice, he says, not that I've already obtained this goal. You know, not that I've already obtained it. And then he goes on to say that not that I've already obtained it and I reach for it, but forgetting what is behind, I strain, I stress, I stretch for the mark, for the high calling that you, forgetting what is behind. Forget what's behind to become an encourager today. Aspire to inspire. Think what that would do to our society, to your world, to your marriage, to your kids, to your workplace. It's an incredible, incredible idea. Ironically, you know where we really get this encouragement application, right? No. Funerals. Funerals. Boy, he was a great guy. Wasn't he incredible? He helped me so many times. You know, they were always, he was always there to, to fix my car, to take me places. You know, she, what a beautiful smile. Man, could that woman cook? Yeah, funerals, we get this right. Guys, don't wait to give bouquets of encouragement to the funeral. Give it while today is called today. I love the way it's, it's said in Hebrews. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Wouldn't that be a great way to live? Because people, guys, people will forget what you say. They'll forget what you do. But they'll never forget how you make them feel. If you encourage them, they'll never forget you. And shouldn't that be a goal that we all aspire to? To be an encourager? To be known as an encourager? Absolutely. Like I said, you'll never get there. But if you're trying, that's going to make a difference. Encouragement, guys, is food for the heart. And every heart is a hungry heart. Everyone. I want to tell you... Guys, there's not a guy in this room, not a guy in this room, no matter how self-assured, how confident, or how successful he is, that isn't plagued somewhere in their life with self-doubt. They need to be encouraged. All of us want to be loved, we want to be valued, and we want to be appreciated. Every guy in here wants that. Whether they, they may say it doesn't mean anything, 
but believe me, they're lying if they say they don't need it. They do. Everybody in here has that self-doubt. When our homes and our workplaces are upside down, what happens is that when our homes and workplaces are upside down, that's a tough place to live, isn't it? When it's six to one, that's tough. And so many times when you're upside down in your conversations at home and work, you are just almost driven to seek other places for encouragement, for love and acceptance. When that happens, guys, we suddenly become riddled with self-inflicted wounds. Because, oh, man, she understands me. She understands how I feel. She, you know, she's always looks good. She, you know, I mean, you know, it's just lunch. When it's six to one at home, it's hard to live. And you, and you go somewhere else to find that. And it's easy to find in a moment. But it will wreck your life. The principle for Proverbs doesn't happen by accident. You got to work at this. You got to work at it in your house to do it, to make it happen. Your, your words are so valuable. I love what it says in, uh, it, it, now get this, this is a nice trick. We've been talking about Proverbs 11.25. Look what happens when you talk about Proverbs 25.11. You got that? Little 25.11, 11.25. What Proverbs 11, 20, uh, 25, 11 says that a word fitly or aptly spoken is like an apple of gold on a platter of silver. Now, do the math. How precious is an apple of gold? Think about that one, baby. The whatever gold is going for an ounce. On a platter of silver. Our words are so precious. What we say to others, our conversations are precious. And we need to treat them that way. We need to treat others that way. Let's talk about our wives for a minute. Yeah. You know what? Our wives, they want to be appreciated. They want to be valued. And they want to be loved. Now, I got to admit that while I'm out here winning the world, while I'm out here encouraging everybody else, while I'm out here building a business, when I'm out here doing all this other stuff, sometimes I serve my wife leftovers. Yeah. She gets what's left over after a tough day of whatever I'm doing. You ever do that? You come home and you're exhausted and you just... And just kind of sit there. I'm guilty of it. <laughs> this week. I mean, I've been working on this. I mean, I've been working on being, you know, being an encourager in that. And I came home the other day, and honest to God, I came home. And, and God love my wife. My wife is wonderful. She's beautiful. I love her dearly. We've been married 45 years now. She's put up with me for 45 years, that and alone. But anyways, I came home, and she always, our house is just spotless all the time. And I came home, and I, you know, and I'm really worn out, and I sit down, and I got all this stuff on my mind, and I'm sitting there, and, you know, she makes my dinner and all that, and then we sit down, we're watching TV, and she says, don't you notice anything about the house? 
oh my golly, you, you move. Here she had spent the whole day rearranging and doing stuff, and I was oblivious to it. Oh my golly, another trip to the jewelry store. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, I just could not believe it. I could not believe all that she did all day and I didn't even know. Now, I can prove that your wife, too, is, is like this. All women are like this. Yeah. When they go to the beauty shop, they come home, or they go shopping, either one, and they come home, and their hair's all done, and all this, you know, and they're looking good, and all this. You know what they say? Nothing. Guys, there's a shot clock running. <laughs> yeah, the lights on your dash better be blinking, and the bells better be ringing. Because if you don't notice it, your dinner, if you get it, is going to be stone cold or burnt to a crisp. Because your wife wants to be loved. She wants to be appreciated. She wants to be noticed. She is driven by the same things that, that, that we are. Does he love me? Does he notice me? Does he care for me? And so many times, we're just, we are really stupid, and I'm leading the charge. Oh, yeah, you, you got to work at this. And it's not always easy to do. So, anyways. Six to one. What a killer that is for our kids. You know, when it's six to one and you're not encouraging your kids, think of what social media is doing to our daughters. You're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not, you're not hot enough. You're not this. Social media is killing our kids, telling them they're not good enough. That they're too, too large. They're, they're not thin enough. They're not. If you're not encouraging your kids, you're helping kill them. You need to be an encourager. You need to be their biggest cheerleader. You know what it's doing to the boys? It's telling them all this stuff to be a man. They need to do this. What, um, what they need is a role model in their life. They need dad to be a role model. Wouldn't it be nice in the morning when you left for work for your wife and kids to say, I'm so sorry he's gone? And when you come home at night to say, man, I am glad he's back. If you turn that six to one over, you can do that. You can. But it takes work. It takes focus. It, it takes discipline. But it is so worth it. Isn't, it. isn't it true that we invest so little in those we love the most? Isn't that true? It absolutely is. Well, guys, right now, we're going to go to the table. There are some questions there on your, on your sheet. What is your ratio? Think back over the last few weeks, over the last week. What is your ratio? Is it 6 to 1? Is it 8 to 1? Guys, I hate to say this, but I know some of you. It's probably closer to 10 to 1. But I want you to give an honest opinion of what your ratio is. How, when was the last time you encouraged someone? 
How did it, when was the last time you was encouraged? How does that feel? You know, we got to right the ship, but we have to work at it to do it. So let's go to the tables for about 15 minutes and let's, let's talk. Stay on task, all right? Stay on, you know, set a goal and stay on. Let's go to the tables. You know, now here's a, here's a great question that came up. Who's going to encourage me? Who encourages the encourager? I mean, here we are going. Encouragement is important. But who's going to encourage you? You know, matter of fact, emotionally, I should be in, as far as emotions on encouragement, I should be in intensive care on, in ICU. I mean, it must be 20 to 1 people raining down on me. Isn't that what some of us are saying? Who's going to encourage me? This is the great thing about this proverb, is the prize inside. You start encouraging others, and God's going to bless you in ways you don't even know. You know, it's just going to take, your life is going to take on a completely different light when you start encouraging others. To be an encourager, he who replenishes, he who refreshes, he who encourages others is himself encouraged. And all of a sudden, it just starts happening. It does. But but then you say, well, what difference is it going to make for me? I mean, uh, not for me. What difference is just me going to make in this big, wide world? If I start encouraging people, so what? This is a huge world, isn't it? Think about this. Jesus didn't heal 5,000 people at a time, did he? He did one at a time. He didn't stand there and go, be healed. One at a time. He raised them from the dead. He fixed their eyes. He made the lame walk. One at a time. So here's the secret, guys. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that will change your life. And it's going to change the life of all those that are around you. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I love, I love, love, love this verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he's making his appeal to the world through you and you and you. Each one of us are Christ's ambassador. That is a responsibility that we all share as believers. And then this verse. (laughs) I love this verse too. That you ourselves, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ. When you encourage other people, you show that you are a letter from Christ, known and read by everyone. Guys, it's our job. It's what he wants us to do. It's going to impact you. It's going to impact others. It's going to impact our world if we, starting right here, started to be encouragers. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be? Now, I love this quote. 
This is Mother Teresa. Wow. How powerful is that? I'm just a little, little pencil in the hand of a writing God who's sending a love letter to the world. That's what you are when you're an encourager. You're a love letter from Christ, known and read by everyone. Pretty incredible. And not only are you encouraged, but everyone around you is. When you plug this into your life, it's going to change. It's going to change you. It's going to change your wife. It's going to change your kids. It's going to change your job. It is a game changer. Let's make six to one, one to six. Now, if you would, close your eyes for a minute. Travel with me, if you would, to the South Pacific. There's a fishing village, and you can see the white sand, the blue water, fishing boats. Don't you wish you were there? And up on a hill, far above the, far above the little fishing village, is an old man. And it's rumored in the village that this old man has all the answers to life. He sits there and just watches in the old sage in the sea. Now, as boys will be boys, two young boys in the village come up with a plan, you know, to, to harass the old man. And what they decide to do is they're going to catch a bird. And they're going to trap this bird and go up to the old man. And they're going to ask it a question. They're going to say, old man, what do I have in my hand? And the old man might hear, see a, le a, a feather or hear a chirp. That would be pretty easy for him to guess what's in the hand. But then they're going to spring the trap and they're going to say, old man, is the bird alive or dead? If he says, my son, the bird's alive, they'll squeeze their hand, drop the bird to the ground. If he said the bird's dead, they'll open their hands and let it fly. So they put their plan into effect and they find, they catch, capture this little bird and they make their way up to the top of the hill and sure enough, there's the old man sitting there overlooking the fishing village, just at peace with the world. And he go to him and he said, old man, old man, what do we have in our hands? And he looks at him and he smiles and he says, oh, that's easy, my son. You have a bird. They looked at each other and he smiled. <laughs> we got him now. And they said, but old man, is the bird alive or is it dead? And he looked at him as if looking into their very soul. And he said, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. This principle of encouragement is in your hands. You can, you can walk out of here tonight. Hey, we're kind of a motivating story, but the threshold was low. Or you can take this and take it home and impact your life and everybody around you. It works, guys. I know it does. Let me pray for you. Father God, again, what a great God you are. I am, I am in awe of what you have done in so many of our lives. And Father, I, I just shudder to think what my life would have been without you guiding my life. 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you for that. I thank you for every man in this room. And I pray that, as the psalmist says, search my heart and know my thoughts. Try me. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the path everlasting. Father, I ask that you do that to each man in this room tonight. And Father, again, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the food. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for all that you are and all that we can be through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Comforter. You, Lord, are everything. And we thank you for that. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.